themselves to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was meeting with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? said to them, not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back. The same way you've seen him leave. It's a whole lot more than 
of the Holy Spirit, God is now in, with, indwelling every single believer in every place at all times. So when Jesus said it was better, he wasn't messing around. Now, as we talk about what's under the foot in the, the book of Acts, our core reality will guide us as we are looking at our core reality today. from this passage that I read. This is a core reality that governs the entire book of Acts. We'll look at the rest of this book as we go under this umbrella. The Church of Christ is empowered by the Spirit of Christ to impact the world for Christ. Let that sink in as you read it. The Church of Christ is empowered by the Spirit of Christ impact the world for Christ. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit empowers the church, us, believers, so that we can then impact the world with the gospel. It's good news that God is coming and will judge, but before He does that, He's offering grace, mercy. We can be made right with Him. We can be literally saved from the destiny meeting after the service when we'll sit down and we'll talk about budget and we'll, we'll talk about what we have done, what we're going to do and, and, and there are some organizational things, that's not the church. These things may be related to the church, they may be part of it. The church and we'll see this throughout the book of Acts as we build this idea 
church is us. The church is the whole body of believers, all those who belong to Christ, living, loving, and working together. The whole world is impacted when, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we reflect the reality of Christ through all of the circumstances and relationships that come into our lives. Now, you may recognize that as our our purpose statement in real life. We exist to reflect the reality of Christ through relationships. Why is that? Why, why would that be our purpose statement? Because that's what we're here for. We didn't make it up. It's in the book. We're going to spend 2020 really digging into this and seeing what is it that a church looks like according to the scripture. What is it that we need to be? What is God calling us to? How do we go about gives the power, the church gives the witness, the world receives the impact, and God gives the glory. Now I'm going to try to, I've got a lot I want to cover, and a whole lot more that I'm really, really, really trying to hold off for a few weeks that we'll come back to. Uh, so I want to get right into this. Let's jump right to your, to your outline there. Why did Luke write this book? That's the question we want to ask ourselves. Why did Luke write this book? What's his point? Well, first off, we see, as, as he said at the very beginning, look at uh, verse 1, uh, 1 and 2. In my former book, Theophilus, wait a minute, that means there's another book, right? If you've been with us, you know that's what we were just looking at the last uh, year or two years, however long it was, that we spent going through the Gospel of Luke. That's Luke writing about exactly what he says here. In my former book, I wrote about all that taken up and he left instructions for his apostles, this book is the continuation of that teaching. He began in his earthly ministry, he continues even today to do and to teach through the church. So Acts is the continuation of the Gospel of Luke. Alright, why did Luke write this book? First one you can recognize is that Acts is the continuation of the Gospel of Luke. Second, it documents the birth and growth of the church. Luke separates this. This is basically Luke volume 2. And he's established a foundation in the gospel of Luke that would help understand what it is that Christ followers believe. Keep your finger in Acts and turn back past the book of John to the book of Luke. They're separated there because John is a different approach to the telling of the story of the gospel than what Matthew, Mark, and Luke are. But if you go back to Luke chapter 1, we see his purpose in writing his gospel. We've got to know the purpose in writing his gospel if we're going to understand his purpose in writing Acts. He starts out, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Remember that Luke was not. Gentile writer of scripture who writes two books, the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. Might never call the Acts of the Holy Spirit, but that's 
starts talking about they, he starts talking about we. I still say they, but for we is incorporated in there. So these things have been handed down to us by those who the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, Luke had to wrestle. He had to go on the search. He had to determine whether this gospel that was being preached was true. So he carefully investigated everything from the beginning. I, too, decided to write an orderly account for you, both excellent theophilies, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke wrote his gospel as a foundation for our belief so that we could know the certainty of the things that have been taught. Turn to the, the last chapter of Luke. In chapter 24, Jesus has risen from the dead. He has appeared and is appearing to the disciples, many of them, some in individual conversations, some in group conversations, some even in very large conversations. And he shows them why their understandings of Messiah and what would happen to Messiah were mislaid. They misunderstood what had been said. So he takes them through, as we see, uh, starting with verse uh, 13 and through around about 35. And Jesus is uh, meeting with a few of the disciples, doesn't name who they are, but two of these disciples who are walking on the road toward the village of Emmaus. And he takes them through the scriptures, starting with starting with Genesis, working through the law and the prophets to show how all of this pointed to him, pointed forward to Christ, and indicated the suffering that the Messiah would undergo. Then, when he appears to them, and he shows them who he is, notice in verse 45, and he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. Stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Notice what he's saying here. This is what is written. He talks about the Messiah. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. He's telling them that the church, them, and now us, is in those prophecies. That once Messiah comes and redeems the people, he seeks and saves the lost, he pays for our sin, he suffers, he dies, rises from the dead, he ascends into heaven, the prophets foretell that this gospel, the good news of repentance for the forgiveness of sin, will be preached to all nations. He says, I will send what my father promised, a helper, one to be with you at all times. Acts is the continuation of the gospel of Luke, documents the birth and the growth of the church. We'll see 
him pouring out his spirit in chapter 2. But right now he's telling us, stay here. The power is coming. Be a part of it. Don't go out on your own. Rest, remain, stay together, and you will receive power. Third, why did, why did Luke write this book? Because it describes what happens when the reality of Christ and the power of the Spirit take over believers. When the reality of Christ and the power of the Spirit take hold of believers. This book, the book of Acts, is the picture of what discipleship looks like. It isn't about extraordinary people doing amazing things. It's about everyday people who have had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ, letting the Spirit-filled life flow out of them. It's not about miracles. You're going to see a lot of miracles as you go through the book of Acts. It's not about miracles. If you focus in on the miracles of Acts, you will miss the point of the, of the story that's being told. Miracles confirm the message. The miracles confirm what God is doing and teaching through the apostles. But the point the birth, the growth of the church as the Holy Spirit enables them to live lives that they could not live any other way. The gifts of the Spirit are central. They are in the in the middle of the spotlight. The gifts of the Spirit talk about that as we go through the book. <clears throat> Luke writes this book, of Acts is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. It documents the birth and growth of the church. It describes what happens when the reality of Christ and the power of the Spirit take hold of believers. This picture tells us who we are, what our pedigree is, so to speak, and how we need to be living today. So far. So we know that Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke for all of us to know, Theophilus specifically, with the intent of the church reading it, God's Holy Spirit inspiring for, uh, him to write this so that we could all have access to the Word of God this way. And as he wrote this for the foundation that, that Theophilus and the church might know the
they stand out, they're in better in tune with God than they are with the world, which usually makes them unpopular. And, and he's, the angel tells Zechariah, your son, that you're going to name John, who will be born from your wife, who is infertile and old, this child will be the forerunner of the Messiah. Then, on the other end of the scale, he sends an angel, Gabriel, same, same dude, to a young girl named Mary. Husband, money, just a devout girl who wants to give everything to the Lord. Because millions have faith. Um, angel, sir, I, I really don't quite know how this works. I'm not the most educated person in the world. But I haven't engaged in the things that you engage in, so I'm not I would never dishonor God by doing such things outside of marriage. What did Angel say? You're not. You're right. God's got you. What will be conceived in you will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a theme, prominent theme in the Gospel of Luke. Before we get to the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit conceives the Messiah in this young woman. picture as she receives this news and says, absolutely not the Lord. I am the Lord's servant. May it be unto me and may it be a servant. From that moment on, her life turned upside down. She was ruined. No Everybody in life had to go upside down. Now we get to the book of Acts. And as we look back at Luke, Jesus went through the, the town. He didn't have some great campaign. He didn't have a social media manager. He didn't have anybody trying to, to book big gigs for him. He didn't send his advanced team in to say, hey, you know, we're going to you know, get some flyers out. We're going to get the big stadium. Let's go get everybody packed in so they can come hear the Messiah. Instead, Jesus went down to town doing his thing. Most of the time, as we look at the scriptures, he does one thing. He goes to church. He shows up at the synagogue where the people of God are gathered to talk about the scriptures, and he connects them with what the Word of God actually says. Almost everything else he does is just going about business and talking to people. He tries to get a, a rest, tries to get a break. We were just looking at this in the book of Mark the other day. Goes across the lake to try to get away from the crowds and runs into ministry. Instead of getting his little weekend excursion, he does ministry. It's an interesting thing about how Jesus handles life, the Gospel of Luke, and all the Gospels. Everywhere he goes, he does ministry. When Pilate is threatening him with death, doesn't matter what's happening, every circumstance, every relationship, Jesus is able to pour value, to pour light into people, because as he said, always do the will of my Father. As he prayed, when he faced the Father and said, Lord, if there's any other way, 
sitting here and I, I see all your lovely faces that have been with us today. You're here for a reason. You're here because you know there's something more than what the world offers. Something more than what you're experiencing, perhaps, in your life. I'm going to get some stuff in here. The book of Acts is the answer to that. The book of Acts is the answer to the question. We're going to see the Holy Spirit empowering the church, moving through. So what we have seen so far, where we have been, is a foundation for where we are going. Notice this. Where have we been? First, Jesus Christ came to teach us to save the lost. That's the message of the gospel of Luke. Jesus came to reach out to lost people dead in our sins and to save us by dying on the cross in our place.
but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Part A of the promise. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It, it's really, that's the whole promise of the rest of the subject. They gathered around them and asked what seemed logical to them to ask. They've been looking for Messiah to establish the, the government under God, to establish the glory of Israel, to kick Rome out, get rid of the pagans, elevate Israel. This was the time. Lord, you've been patient. You went through your suffering. You've done all that kind of stuff. Now is the time? You told us before it wasn't time yet. Is this the time? And Jesus responds to them in verse 7. It's not for you to know the time or date the Father has set by his own authority. God's going to do what God's going to do. And he's going to do it in his timeline, not yours. And he's not Interestingly, God often, throughout the Scripture, He makes a habit of telling His people what He's doing. But He doesn't tell them so that they can say, well, God, you missed this on your agenda. He tells them so that when it happens, you can know that it's from God. That's what prophecy does. But He says, it's not for you to know. The time and the date the Father has set by His own God's going to do, God's going to do, He's going to do them in His time. But, this is huge, this is the, the culmination or the, the, the fallout, I should say, of the promise. But you will receive power. You don't get to know the times of the days, but whatever is coming, you get power. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then He gives them a job. Notice, and I won't take, take a lot of time on this. Notice he doesn't say you will be my salesman. He doesn't say you will be my, my agents. You're going to go out and, and, and recruit. You, it's your job to convince people. you got to get them. Second person of the Godhead. Second person of the Trinity. 
How many of you have seen the movie Elf? Anybody? That's all? Nope. You guys seen the, let's see. Get your hand up if you've seen the, the movie Elf. All right, good. Otherwise, it's totally a wasted illustration. So, <coughs> Buddy the Elf, as you know, discovers that he's not actually a natural-born elf, but he's adopted into an elf family that's actually human. And of all things, from the Earth system. Because that's like the opposite of Santa Claus being a soul. So Buddy the Elf knows Santa. Buddy the Elf knows what he knows. He doesn't fit in. He's different. He looks different. He acts different. He's a lot of sugar. He sings loud for all to hear, because as we all know, that's the best way to spread Christmas cheer. Well, he knows what he knows and him up. It's the centerpiece of his identity. Even though he knows he's not a natural born elf, he's an adopted elf, he knows who Santa is, he knows where he belongs, he knows what he believes in, and it so consumes him that even though he doesn't fit in, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or what anybody else believes because he knows. And it is so central to who he is that there's no way Nutshell sermon for today, be buddy the elf. But what happens if you turn and look back? The Holy Spirit gets a hold of them, opens their eyes, lets them see what they couldn't see otherwise, enables them to make the choices that they couldn't make in the flesh, enables them to be able to please God for the first time ever to choose Christ. Now, we'll see as we go through, and especially as we see the letters in the rest of the New Testament, these folks are far from perfect. Whatever problems you think you've got, they're in a club. It's a list. I mean, it just keeps going. Christians are not perfect. But we are perfectly forgiven. We are perfectly redeemed and purchased. And so because of this these sinners gathered together in Jerusalem, they know it. They know the only way that we can have life is in Jesus Christ, my sin, dying in my place. I saw him rise from the dead. And I saw him ascend into heaven. And I'm just so blown away by this. some 
chapter 1. Turn to Acts chapter 28. In Acts chapter 28, it starts out that Paul is stuck on this island called Malta. Chapter 27, they had a shipwreck. They're on their way to Rome. Paul, in his, he's still a prisoner, by the way. He's still under arrest. But he's now appealed to the highest court. He's appealed, took advantage of his rights as a Roman citizen. He's appealed to Caesar. So they're taking him to Rome, like appealing to the Supreme Court. Kind of thing. He's, he's taking advantage of his rights, and he's going to Caesar. Why? Because going to Rome is good to preach the gospel. That's what's going to happen all through this book. So Paul had been persecuting the church.
to the birth and growth of the church by the Holy Spirit's power. There are some major themes you have to write these down in your life. You'll see this later too. And, and there are other themes as well. But a few of the major ones that you'll see. See disciples overwhelmed by the gospel. Buddy, the elf syndrome, if you will. They're overwhelmed by the gospel and it changes everything. So much so that they are willing to
since they don't even care who owns what. We just want to make sure everybody's taken care of. We'll make our way through through Chappelle and exploring the text. Plan to stop frequently and, and uh, hover over some of the topics that arise in the text. Normally we just go through the book and, and deal with things as we go, but there are some big issues that come up in the book of Acts, and we're going to need to stop and kind of uh, let the helicopter stay there for a little bit while we carry out our mission. In the process, we're going to examine the characteristics of a vibrant, healthy, biblical church, as well as marks of true discipleship to individuals. There's a difference between the church as a whole and the individual members of the church as there is a difference between your overall physical health and the health of every different system or organ in your body. We'll also plan to uh, debunk some myths along the way, some misunderstandings of what the church is about. As we view the whole of Acts, we can readily see some big picture principles <coughs> excuse me, that are applicable to us today. There's some big picture. We'll see a lot as we go. But some big picture things that jump out. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to live the resurrection life, reflecting the reality of Christ through relationships. That's a pretty easy application. What we see in the church then is true in the church today. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability, His power in us, enables us to live the resurrection life of Christ. We can please God for the first time. So when we're powered by the Spirit, understand that it's not some magical force that makes us courageous and strong and clever. That's an easy thing for us to, to mistake as we look at, at uh, the book of Acts. We see timid Peter all of a sudden standing up and preaching a great sermon. You don't get to preach great sermons, generally speaking, because you've got saved. I accept Christ, and now all of a sudden I know everything. That's not how it works. That's not, as a rule, how it works here in the book of Acts either. What we see is a culmination of a variety of things, and we'll talk about those as we go. It's not that all of a sudden, all your problems go away. It's not that all of a sudden, you'll have no trouble getting through your day as a Christian, resisting temptation, sharing the gospel with other people. That's not what it's about. It's the person and life God dwelling in us, empowering us to reject the world, to reject the flesh, to reject the devil, Him in us, empowering us to make choices, to live the God-pleasing life we were always meant to live, but never could under our own power. The Holy Spirit enables us to see clearly where sin had obscured our vision. Now we can see and understand what is real, what really matters. We are, for the first time, able to prioritize Christ as our everything. We can't do that in the flesh. We do that through the Spirit. He's our beginning and our end. The Holy Spirit doesn't make us superhuman. He makes us alive in Christ. Supernatural. 
this happens, it takes the governor off our engine. Now, I don't think that's real hard for us to figure out. 
That's a simple, practical, you can do it if you decide to do it thing. Oh, I can't memorize stuff. You remembered how to get here this morning, right? How do you how do you memorize things? Repetition, repetition, repetition. And then after that, repetition, repetition, repetition. Are you remember this every day? Say it to yourself every day. Challenge yourself. We're gonna be doing the same memory verses in youth group that we're doing in big church.